Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everyone. We're going to continue today with our last series, which is which was called "As the Father Sent Me, I Send You with Authority." So, our last and our first episode about that was the authority of the church in the Bible, and now we're going to be talking about the uh, apostolic succession that continued within the Bible and outside of the Bible, and which is the Catholic Church today. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the apostolic succession and that uh, in the last episode we established that you see that there is an authoritative church within the first century by within the first century church and uh, seen in the apostles as the as the bishops and Jesus establishing that church upon Peter and the apostles in union with him and uh, and that going out to spread and establish churches, which is the Catholic Church. Um, in the very first century. And so today I want to talk about apostolic succession, and I do want to talk about at some point too, but I'm going to just focus today on just apostolic succession that we see like directly in the Bible. Um, But along with that, there are maybe future episodes that we'll do talking about like teaching authority and like how the church actually teaches differences between dogmas and doctrines and disciplines that the church has, such as uh, the male-only priesthood or celibacy in the priesthood, um, things of that nature, things liturgically as well. Um, Ecumenical councils talk about that. There's 20, there's been 21 of them in the 2000 year history of the church. And we, I would like to talk about that at some point. I also want to talk about just consequences of when you do not have the Catholic church. When you see, look outside the Catholic church, every single church believes that they're following the Bible. And morally, it has just been a, uh, just kind of been crumbling. And uh, so we, the Catholic church is the church founded by Jesus and we need the church. And maybe at some point also talk about misunderstandings of the church, which we know that there's a lot of, but we'll kind of hopefully clear those up. But today we're going to focus on apostolic succession. So beginning where we left off in the last episode, we established that Jesus never told anybody to write anything, nor did he give anything in writing. And he founded an authoritative church that would speak on his behalf. They were the stewards of the kingdom. And um, and even at, even if there were writings, it would be 20 plus years after so, right? So the New Testament was written years after Jesus's ascension into heaven. And not only that, it was also uh, a very highly illiterate time too. So not everybody would be able to read the Bible. So, um, but we established that Jesus founded a church and you can see the whole gospel of Matthew is about establishing a kingdom. And that's why Jesus didn't just come and die immediately. He came to establish an authoritative church. We see, uh, Peter getting the keys in Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 16 and the, the authority to bind and to loose and the rest of the 12 getting that same authority to bind and loose in Matthew 18 within the very same context of when there's disagreements or differences that are, um, seen within the church, you uh, go and tell your brother to yourself. And if not, take two or three witnesses. And if they don't listen to them, take them to the church. And that was the last stop. And after that, Jesus basically says, excommunicate them. And, uh, um, and they're outside the church. Um, and then, and you see that very thing taking place in Acts 15, when they are, even the great St. Paul, the great apostle Paul was disagreeing with if Gentile Christians had to follow the Mosaic law, specifically if they had to be circ- circumcised. 
And so they are disagreeing, uh, even St. Paul. They're not listening to St. Paul either. So what do they do? They take it to the church in Jerusalem. Who is there? The apostles, and in particular, Peter. And Peter stands up and authoritatively gives this teaching. And everybody is like, all right, that's it. He has the authority. So that's the teaching. And then they would send letters out. And that is the very first council of 21 in church history. And that's where we get, where we see uh, the word dogma first used. It's an authoritative church that's, uh, or authoritative teaching of the church that will never change. And, um, and we see because that is why that's happening is because the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth in 1 Timothy 3.15, which is built on the foundation of the apostles, Ephesians 2.20. And, um, and this is so important, and especially when it comes to interpret, interpreting Scripture, because everybody has a different interpretation of Scripture. But as we see uh, in Second Peter 3.16, people already in the first century were using St. Paul's words to their own destruction because it, it, Scripture can be hard to understand. And so to know the true Christian teaching, the deposit of faith given from Christ to the apostles, we are to hold fast to the traditions, whether by word or letter, and that is by um, the authoritative church given to the apostles from Jesus at the deposit of faith. And um, we can see references to tradition in 1 Corinthians 11, 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, 15, and, uh, and also in Hebrews uh, 13, 7 through 9, that um, to submit to your leaders. And, and why is that? Because no prophecy or, uh, or of scripture is to one's own interpretation, and that is 2 Peter 1, 20. So there's already that issue and the early church and that still is an issue today. So how do you find the true Christian faith and the true Christian teachings? Um, well, you, you follow what Jesus established, the authoritative church found on Peter and the apostles, and that is only found in the Catholic church. And um, so now moving away from just the apostles, but also It'd be extremely silly to say, and we do have a lot of brothers and sisters that love Jesus, that teach this, that, well, after the first apostles or after um, the first century, that authority just died down and there was scripture alone after that. But there are various reasons on why that's very silly to think is one is because scripture doesn't say that Jesus never said that. And he, and it'd be silly and it would seem illogical that Jesus would set up an authoritative church and just to have it die off and then he because he never says that hey you guys have the authority now but go write these things and afterwards everybody should just be able to figure it out by reading the bible but he never says that he gives an authoritative church and he says i'm going to be with you until the end of the age and um and we see references to like uh when specifically when jesus is giving the keys to peter he's referencing isaiah 22 22 where guess what was happening in the old testament kingdom keys were being handed on so it would be the steward of the kingdom so it wasn't the king himself right so in the new covenant jesus is the king he's handing the keys to uh, peter the steward of the kingdom right so he'd basically be like the prime minister um, and that was like what it was in the Old Testament. But that reference alone in the, of the Old Testament were keys being handed on. There was succession happening in the Old Testament, and there's now succession happening in the New Covenant. So, and uh, also, it, that just doesn't follow the historical record. Never after the first apostles will you ever find a writing talking about there's this struggle or, uh, um, you know, just after the apostles, authority just died. No, like you'll see St. Clement, our, even our fourth pope in the, in, in the 80s, talking about uh, the church and St. Ignatius of Antioch all the way till uh, near the year 100, who is a disciple of St. John himself, talking about uh, 
Christian visible Christian unity, which was only by um, uh, be following the church, the the bishops in union with the the papacy in Rome, among other things like uh, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, etc. So. Um, so it, it just doesn't follow the historical record that the authority ended with the first apostles. And that would make the word of God, scripture that everyone is reading and everyone is saying is living and effective, according to, to Hebrews 4.12. Well, then that just makes it a historical document when it comes to all those texts, like all the whole gas, the whole, a lot of the gospel of Matthew and, and all those texts where we see in the writings of the epistles of St. Paul and St. Peter and St. John that if there's, they're talking about having an authoritative church, they have authority or to submit to your elders or, um, uh, follow the traditions of the apostles and all those things. Well, then our scripture is just a historical document at that point and not actually living and effective, but it is living and effective. And it still says the same thing to us today to follow the church, follow the, the teachings, whether orally or written down. So, um, but it is so the inerrant living and effective word of God. And that's why the Catholic church alone, like, possesses what it has because it it believes that and not only that it presupposes the scripture presupposes that authoritative church the scripture was written by catholics for catholics in a catholic context and it was preserved and protected by the catholic church that still today is is uh is still living alive and effective with its risen lord and so, um so within the new testament itself we see apostolic succession taking place in the book of acts so, um, let me scroll up to my notes here. All right. So we see in uh, Acts 1, 20 through 26, that Matthias was chosen to succeed Judas. Um, and it's Judas's, after, after Judas's, his betrayal of Jesus and his death, Peter proclaims that Judas's office would be transferred to a worthy successor, right? So uh, as Catholics, we don't think Pope Francis is, in himself, the person to follow. No, we we believe in his office that he holds, and in the and, and in the office that the bishops hold. So, um, and the apostles, they so they never thought that their own number was to be limited to twelve, nor that the number of their successors was was limited. Saint Paul, who was appointed to be an apostle by Jesus after the ascension went on to appoint multiple bishops, successors of the apostles, to carry on his work this, that, that is seen in Acts 9. So St. Timothy was one such successor. To him, Paul writes, What you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, 2. Basically, the book of Timothy is instructing him, which is about to be a successor, right? So from St. Paul to Timothy, and then he's telling Timothy on how to appoint more. So you already see almost four generations of succession within the New Testament itself. So passing, so Paul is passing on the authority he received from Jesus to Timothy, who would then go on to appoint further success, successors, who would go on to do the same, um, and, and it would just continue, right? So, and then he writes similarly to Titus, and he writes this in Titus uh, 1.5. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might amend what was defected and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And in 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul warns Timothy to not be hasty in the laying on of hands when Timothy appointed new leaders in the church. So Paul recognized this episodic succession to be a gift handed on through a special ritual that we see in 1 Timothy 4.14. 
He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands upon you. In 1 Timothy 4.14, we see this beginnings of ordination as Paul refers to the council of presbyteroi who laid hands on Timothy. These presbyteroi are to rule, teach, and preach according to 1 Timothy 5.17, which were tasks the apostles originally performed in Acts 1-15, through right? So the, so the very authority that you see from like Peter and the apostles and all in the first half of, of Acts uh, most prominently, you also see with the next people, right? So these next few people like Paul, Timothy, and people uh, afterwards are going to rule, teach, and preach. So Paul's disciples, Titus, appears to bear the status of a presbyteroi or an episkopos, and Paul author- authorizes him to appoint more presbyteroi for the churches in Titus. And those are and those are Greek words for, for a bishop, essentially, is uh, presbyteroi and episkopos. And so... Uh, in, one, in Titus 1.5, he says, The reason I left you in Christ was to appoint presbyteroi in every town. This passage is extremely important because it shows us that the duty to appoint presbyteroi, which originally was the role of the apostles themselves in Acts 16.4, is now delegated to a disciple or representative of the apostles. So apostles appointing the first, we see apostles appointing the first deacons in Acts 6, 1 through 7, and the apostles also appointed elders or presbyteroi in all the churches in Acts 14, 23. Um, in, Acts, in Acts 15, we see that these presbyteroi shared in the governance of the church along with the apostles in verses 22, 23, and chapter 16, 4. So the decision reached by the first council is described as coming from authority of the apostles and presbyteroi. And then uh, in first Peter through in first Peter five five, Peter stresses that the presbyteroi share in the apostolic ministry to shepherd or pastor the people of God. Peter stresses the close connection between the presbyteroi and the apostles by identifying himself, the chief apostle, as presbyteroi. And moving out of the book of Acts, we see in Ephesians one twenty three that the church is Jesus' body, right? So and it says, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that would also include time. It's saying Jesus' body can never detach from the head, right? So Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body. And, uh, and so the church can never become detached from the head. And so that would include time, right? So that authoritative church that we see in the first apostles, it'd be silly to say, well, then it just stops after that. Um, and then 321, it says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So in the church, to all generations. So this he's saying it will exist in every single generation, this apostolic foundational church, according to Ephesians 2.20, right? And then uh, outside of the New Testament, um, I've mentioned this fellow a few times. He was our fourth pope, Clement of Rome, and you even see him mentioned in scripture, and he was uh, or probably ordained by Peter. So he writes this in his, uh, in his letter, First Clement, writing about 20 years after Peter wrote his first letter. He says this, Our apostles likewise knew through our Lord Jesus Christ that there would be strife over the bishop's office. For this reason, therefore, having received complete foreknowledge, they appointed the officials mentioned earlier, and afterwards they gave the offices a permanent character. That is, should they die, other approved men should succeed to their ministry. Those, therefore, who were appointed by them or later on by other reputable reputable men with the consent of the whole church and who have ministered to the flock of Christ blamelessly, humbly, peaceably, and unselfishly, and for a long time have been well spoken of by all. 
These men we consider to be unjustly removed from their ministry, for it will be no small sin for us if we depose from the bishop's office those who have offered the gifts blamelessly and in holiness. Blessed are those presbyters who have gone on ahead, who took their departure at a mature and fruitful age, for they they need no longer fear that someone might remove them from their established place. And so Clement doesn't make a very clear distinction between Episcopos bishop and presbyteroi, which is priest. He treats them as almost synonymous, right? And we're going to talk about, I can't wait to talk about the priesthood because within the context of establishing bishops or this authoritative church, he was also establishing a priesthood and a ministerial priesthood. It's going to be beautiful. And we just passed this day of Holy Thursday where Jesus institutes the Holy Eucharist. He uh, find, he establishes the priesthood. And I, I'm excited to talk about it. Maybe I'll do it uh, sooner than later too because I'm, I'm so excited about it. And uh, so he treats them, uh, those terms, Episcop- episcopos and presbyteroi, uh, bishop and priest, almost synonymously. So by the time of Ignatius of Antioch, 20 years later, the church had adopted the practice of reserving the term episcopos which like the bishop or supervisor for the chief presbyteroys in a metropolitan area, whereas the rest of the clergy retained the title of presbyteroy or priest. And so this is the practice that has continued to this day. And in the show notes of this podcast, I'll leave a link to the church fathers uh, that talking about apostolic succession, but I'll share one of them from my patron saint, St. Augustine. He was a bishop in Africa. Um, I've talked about him before, but this was this is a quote shortly after actually the canon of scripture was established by the church, which you don't have without the church. And so he says this in his letter against the letter of Manny called the foundation in AD 397. So he says this, There are many other things which most properly can keep me in the Catholic Church's bosom. The unanimity of peoples and nation keeps me here. Her authority, inaugurated in miracles, nourished by hope, and augmented by love, and confirmed by her age, keeps me here. The succession of priests from the very see of the Apostle Peter, to whom the Lord, after his resurrection, gave the charge of feeding his sheep. Up to the present episcopate keeps me here. And last, the very name Catholic, which, not without reason, belongs to this church alone. And the faith face of so many heretics, so much so that, although all heretics want to be called Catholic, when a stranger inquires, inquires where the Catholic church meets, none of the heretics would dare to point out his own basilica or house. End quote. So yeah, um, that's just one of many, many, many church fathers uh, talking about the need for the Catholic Church. Even at the very beginning, there was heresies all over the place, and the Catholic Church is that one true faith that has continued for 2,000 years. It's the one that battled through all heresies, even from, a lot of heresies came from people misinterpreting scripture on their own. They would not, they would uh, attack Jesus's nature. They would attack Jesus's uh, will. They would attack the Trinitarian God revealed in Jesus. They would attack, which isn't explicitly found in scripture, right? So all of these things in the early church were an issue because people were misinterpreting scripture, right? So like St. Peter says, that people are twisting the words of St. Paul to their own destruction. And so that's why we need the church. We need to hold on to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and I know I threw out a lot of scripture references, um, and uh, but really I just to summarize this whole this whole thing, right? So Jesus never wrote anything. He didn't tell his apostles to write anything, nor did he ever say write anything in twenty plus years, and then after you guys die, those that writing should be sufficient. Everybody should just be able to read that. And then once that is written in 20, 20 plus years after Jesus' ascension into heaven, 
It's because people were already seeing their authority in order to write. And even after those writings, people were illiterate. A lot of people were illiterate, right? So, and that would continue for centuries and centuries. And that's why you still needed a church. Um, and you can't just have the Bible alone. And then that canon or Bible that we have isn't found in the Bible. You have to have the church in order to figure out what needs to be in the Bible. And so Jesus founded an authoritative church. I think that is so clear in scripture, especially in the gospels and that being followed through in the book of Acts. But also we see that same authoritative church working through uh, through succession within the New Testament itself. And I think that's probably the best part to point to as scripture itself, but also you can see within the first century uh, documents outside of the New Testament or in the second century, third century, all the way to the 15th century, how important apostolic succession is to one on to, to hold on to the true faith that Jesus handed on to the apostles. And we see apostolic succession already taking place within the New Testament itself, in the book of Acts, and with St. Paul's writing to Timothy, and so on. And and also, it's just silly to think that that authority would end with the apostles or after the first century, because scripture doesn't say that Jesus wouldn't set up an authoritative church just so it would die out afterwards. Um, it doesn't follow the historical record. You never see a break from from that until uh, it's challenged in the 16th century. And, um, and the word of God, scripture, is living and effective. And so if that's the case, well, then we still have all those texts showing an authoritative church. And I believe that the Bible, so I truly, um, I encourage everybody to try to read the Bible for what it is. Like first take it, at its face value and don't try to impress our experiences or our predetermined conclusions in order to read scripture. When I first picked up the Bible, I thought it was just going to be like a, almost like a, a get, a get well book. So I was like, oh, it's going to tell me that I'm loved and it's gonna, I can see like how I can figure that out. So I'd only like really look for scripture that showed me, showed me that. And I still do because it's living and effective, but also the whole New Testament it's also showing in a very detailed and a very clear way that Jesus established an authoritative church and that church still continues today in order to hand down the true Christian faith that we can come to know because Jesus is never going to leave his church and the head, Jesus himself, can never detach from the body, the church. So I hope this was a fruitful uh, episode for you guys. I'm excited to talk about more about the church um, like the authority of the church and how it teaches and and mis- misunderstandings of the church, which are a lot, right? So that's primarily what this whole podcast is about, <laughs> is to better understand the church that Jesus founded. So, but um, given that it's Holy Week and we're in the Triduum and we just came off of Holy Thursday, the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood, um, maybe I'll talk about that next is the institution of the priesthood and how we see the priesthood and in the New Testament. Um, so talk to you guys soon. God bless you. I'm praying for you all. And let me know if you have any questions, comments, or requests. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hanging out again. God bless.